Hi, I'm Wade Boggs. I want to show you a perfect hitter. Welcome back, baseball fans, to a special edition of the Banish to the Pen podcast, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. This week we're talking some wrestling, and uh, I am proud and honored to be joined by three members of the Effectively Wild, uh, I guess, Facebook group. I've got three Erics with me this week. I've got Eric Ferguson, I've got Eric... Hartman and I've got Eric Roseberry. So, uh, Eric's say hi to the internet, guys. Hi, hi. How's it going? Um, this is going to be really tough to keep straight, so I'm going to go with the uh, last initial as well to try to introduce everybody. But uh, let's start the podcast the way we start every week and do some introductions here. First and foremost, uh, we'll go in alphabetical order. Eric Ferguson, Eric F. Uh, you know, introduce yourselves. Uh, introduce who you're a fan of wrestling wise, what you watch. Twitter handle, you know, anything you want to share. Okay, sure. Um, my name is Eric Ferguson at Fergamania on the Twitters. Um, I'm mainly a WWE guy at this point, but whenever Ring of Honor comes around, I always try to see them because they're the best live show that I've ever seen. Um, probably, well, I don't want to spoil who my favorite all time is. We'll just save that for later. So there you go. Very cool. I'm, I'm, I know, Eric, you and I are going to get along as I'm a uh, ROH mark. So that's uh, very <laughs> great to know. Uh, I'm the blue hat. For anybody that watches Ring of Honor, if you see me <laughs> ringside. So, uh, next, Eric Hartman, you're up. Bud. Hey, everybody. I'm Eric Hartman. Same Twitter handle, E R I C H A R T M N. Follow to hear me complain about WWE in general and how I'm sad about the Blue Jays even when they win. Uh, I generally watch mostly WWE and now Lucha Underground. And I follow everything else just as a person living on the internet, but I uh, haven't watched as much as probably I should of ROH. And how much do you hate uh, the character Eric uh, Cartman from South Park? You know, uh, you're the first one to ever bring it up. <laughs> really? No, not really. I was going to say. <laughs> I was just totally walking into that joke for you, too. So I have about <laughs> 15 years of practice. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, and the sinister minister, my buddy, Eric Roseberry. Introduce yourself, man. Yeah. Uh, good to talk to you guys on Twitter. Uh, Eric D. Roseberry. And... Uh, yeah, I've uh, been on a few times, uh, right over Banish to the Pen. But in terms of wrestling, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of stay up on WWE now. Uh, cut the uh, cable cord, so not up on Raw as much. But monthly pay-per-views, I know uh, guys mentioned Lucha. I'll catch up on that. And then just uh, piddling around the network uh, a couple times a week. So Very, very, very good. And uh, for everybody that doesn't know, I am Ryan Sullivan, uh, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com, uh, NatsGM.com on Twitter. Uh, I host the Banish to the Pen show. Uh, I've been a wrestling fan much of my life, although I did uh, lose a little bit of my passion in the 2000s um, after the uh, Attitude Era, and now I've really gotten back into Ring of Honor. Uh, I go to a, as many shows as I can on the East Coast and um, watch a lot of NXT as well. Uh, can't do the Raw product. So there we go. Uh, there's our introductions of the gang this week. Uh, we are doing a wrestling draft. We are going to basically steal the gimmick that Ben and Sam do at least once a week on their podcast, and we are going to draft our favorite wrestlers all time, whether it's present day, whether it's the 90s Attitude Era, as I mentioned, or all the way back before we were even born. So 
to make things easy this week, uh, we are going to start with, uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order for the picks here because we've got three Eric's and a Ryan. So, uh, Eric Ferguson, Eric F., you are up on the clock with the first pick in the Banish to the Pen Wrestling Draft. Uh, well, with the first pick, um, I've always considered myself something of a sexy boy. So I'm going to go ahead and take Shawn Michaels. Oh, wow. All right. Shawn Michaels off the board. Very nice. Now, why Shawn Michaels with the first pick, my friend? <clears throat> Shawn Michaels, to me, he combines everything I like. He's, you know, he's fantastic in the ring. He has so many, so many moments. He covers so many eras of uh, World Wrestling Entertainment at this point, World Wrestling Federation also. And he was great on the mic, a uh, little less so nowadays when he really could seem to care less when he's actually on TV. Um, but he's, I would, any match that he's in, I would watch, regardless of the opponent, and he'll bring anybody else up. Do you have a favorite HBK match? Because he's been around, you can go well, in so many different directions there. Yeah, that well, that's the thing. He covers like if just in terms of like something that I never get tired of reading about. Obviously, the Montreal screw job, mm-hmm. um, even you know the, the latter match with Razor Ramon. But then he's got the two Undertaker matches, you know, of more recent vintage. And then even just something that's kind of underrated, like his uh, WrestleMania match with Kurt Angle, and I don't even remember the oh, number at this so point. Yeah, that one was so good, and it like never comes up because there are so many other things in front of that. But then you also have the moment of like, you know, the barbershop window and how revolutionary that was. Um, there's just really and then and he and, and like his personal story where like he kind of falls off the radar for four years and then comes back and somehow is as good or better than he was before. It's just it's just incredible. Not but not that ju- not that just incredible. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. The, that's, a, that's a later pick. Three words. And I would even words. give Shawn Michaels credit back in the, you know, the AWA days and the early WWF Absolutely. days with the Rockers. I mean, that was Rockers, a great exactly, tag yeah. team. I mean, he was he was the talent on that team, certainly. But that was that was one of the great tag teams in the, early, you know, the mid 80s, late 80s, early 90s. So one thing I'll say about Shawn Michaels is I respect a ton of his work. He was incredible. And I don't think it's controversial to say he was involved in the best WWE promo video package of all time before his retirement match with with The Undertaker. I don't remember the name of the song. It's all right, but it just goes through. And I'd say I end up watching it once every like three or four months just to sort of get hyped about something. Switch every month or two between that and the Stone Cold Steve Austin, My Sacrifice one, which are both just incredible and really get to going. And yeah, in terms of just ability, hard to top. Well, and I think uh, basically maybe to wrap up Shawn Michaels, probably the one of the top five wrestlers of all time, certainly in the ring. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, a, he's the reason I started watching wrestling. I had a buddy, I think I was in sixth grade, that, we still got videos from the video store, and he, WrestleMania 12, he had it, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, yeah, it was that was the first thing I can remember sitting down and watching, and uh, yeah, I mean, he had a lot to do with me sticking with the product. Well, I think that's a fantastic number one, number one pick, uh, tough to argue with. So, on the clock now, Eric H., you're up with pick number two in the Banish to the Pen Wrestling Draft. So I treaded carefully on um, what I talked about with that because I'm a Canadian. I'm fr- born and raised in Toronto. My number one, my number one pick, obviously, has to be Brett the Hitman Hart. Okay, I'm not sure that I consider that a sleeper or not, but that's uh, what a terrific pick. Brett the Hitman Hart goes off the board at number two, mm-hmm. and he just—it's—it's it's hard to say. So I'm 
I'm 25, and growing up, like, when I was a small child, I have an older brother who's uh, six years older than me, and he was just the biggest wrestling fan in the entire world. So I'd always just, I'd watch wrestling with him growing up. He has a pair of his glasses signed. One of my best friends had a cardboard cutout of him, just life-sized, well into high school. Somehow he maintained more popularity than me. I don't know, but... um. He was just so, so great, and when I really started getting into wrestling, besides just, like, loving Hulk Hogan as a blind three-year-old, which is a perfectly pure way to watch it, when I was, of course, a much more mature seven, and the whole Heart Foundation versus everybody, specifically HBK and Screwjob Times, uh, was around, and that was just so wild. He was so... It was just so funny to see him be a heel in in the States, and then just everyone here loved him so much. It, around the year 2000, there was a poll done by like CBC, our NPR equivalent, that um, did the 50 greatest Canadians, and he was he was on it. No one, I don't think, complained too much, considering uh, our blowhard Don Cherry was up even higher. But yeah, he was really, really wonderful. And the first live show I ever went to was two days before the screw job, and I was super excited and happy. And then the screw job happened, and I, my innocence was lost completely. <laughs> now, before we go into the highlights of Bret Hart, I do want to say, at number two, it feels a little rich for somebody whose career fell off pretty quick in WCW. Kind of your thoughts? Um, I generally, genuinely don't have any positive associations with his WCW career, except for, again, because I don't have interesting things happen to me, my brother, who was about 15 <laughs> at the time, and his friends used to just sneak backstage at wrestling events, which was a thing that could happen then. So at WCW Mayhem, when he beat uh, He Who Must Not Be Named for the title, uh, there's, he just came back and showed me a picture that they took of the five of them with Brett, with the WCW title, just in his locker room. I don't quite know how that worked back then, but he did, and that's super cool. Otherwise, you just see a bunch of botches, including when Goldberg speared him and he set, uh, had a trash can on, so it knocked Goldberg, and he just said he quit, but was still there the next week. It was just awful. Okay, let's talk, let's talk positively about Brett now. Yeah, uh, best, best matches, or best match? So I'm a, I'm a sucker for Brett versus Owen to open WrestleMania 10. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that many of the official videos growing up, but in 1994, apparently I taped all of WrestleMania 10. And before like there was like YouTube everywhere, I'd watch the same videos like a thousand times. I can quote all of Chipmunk's Adventure to you guys if you need. But like I know every spot of that entire pay-per-view, and that Brett versus Owen match was so cool. Yeah, and surprisingly, Owen actually went over in that match, if I remember right. Correct, but then of course uh, the main event, Brett, uh, Brett won the title, and it was everyone came out except an exasperated Owen who was just uh, threw his hands in the air. Uh, other Eric's, I'm tagging you in. Uh, favorite matches of Bret Hart? Uh, I mean, we got to throw in Stone Cold. That match at WrestleMania yeah, was unbelievable. WrestleMania 13 for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of blanking. I actually went. I made a list of 20, and he's not on there. So I'm going to turn this over to someone else. Wow. Well, his work with the Hart Foundation. Obviously was great. Then when he was leading the Canadian group with Owen and, and goodness, I'm forgetting who. I mean, that was great work. Bulldog, Pillman, yes. and Neidhart. That was great work. That Pillman isn't so underrated. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, he's got a lot of great matches. I, I think he probably nailed the best one, though, is WrestleMania 10, though. That was... Mm-hmm. And if not that, the Stone Cold one, obviously, and the main event, Intercontinental title main event at SummerSlam in 91, what is it? In Wembley when he beat, when Bulldog went over him. Yeah. is another classic if you haven't watched it in the last however many years worth worth checking out 
pretty much what this podcast is going to have me doing is watching a lot of WWE Network in the next two weeks is what this feels like. So It's a, lo- it's a long while until <laughs> Pitchers and Catchers report, so we got on time. That's very true. All right, uh, let's move to... Uh, oh, before, we move, before we move, can I plug his book? Sure. His, uh, the Bret Hart biography is uh, it's one of the most overwritten bio- or autobiographies I've ever, I've ever read, but it's very worth your time. Yeah, I had a lot of fun reading it. Just, I will say, Bret Hart meant everything to me as a wrestler, but everything kind of since it's, I don't, I mean this derisively. It's like he thinks wrestling is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's still real to him. Yeah. Okay, Eric R, you're on the you're on the clock. Pick number three in the Banished to oh. the Pen Wrestling Draft. I was really not expecting to have to make this choice here. Um... I, I've got to go Steve Austin. So I'm going to go Steve Austin. Um, he's he's the best. You made the best pick. I can't argue with that. Well, it was, <laughs> yeah, Austin, Rock, and Hogan. I wasn't expecting all three to be there. But, um, yeah, I'll take Austin. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of hit with my – the time period when I was watching wrestling was when he was the hottest growing up. Um, I, I, all the, the WrestleMania builds to him and The Rock were great. Um, he, I know his match with Michaels at WrestleMania uh, – 13, 14, 14, 14 wasn't the best, uh, but still just really enjoyed that ride of him getting there. And I think more than that, the most important thing Steve Austin ever did for me was he made it okay to be a wrestling fan at school, which it hadn't been up to that point. And so it was, uh, I went from me and Ken and I talked about this and joked about it. I went from being the kid that dressed up in Sting for Halloween in nice. eighth grade and like people <laughs> never let me forget it to like, Oh, yeah, that's Steve Austin guy. That's cool that you watch that. And so he gave me a good couple of years where uh, people joined me in that, and it wasn't looked down on. So, Eric, so can Eric, I just can ask you something ask you quickly? Something. Yes. Can you do a really good Stone Cold costume now? I, I see you on Facebook and whatever. You, I think you could pull it off pretty well. I've got the bald head. I could do the goatee. I don't yeah. know that I have the body for the black trunks, but we'll see. <laughs> and I'm going to get a couple big clunky bear. knee braces and camo. <laughs> I could do that. I'm gonna have me another bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we need to acknowledge that Steve Austin unintentionally kind of ruined promos for everyone, at least in ring with the what chant, because we're yeah, still feeling good. the effects of that. And in I gotta say, that, that's the biggest negative of Stone Cold to me is the what chant. But but when he did it, it was pretty brilliant. That's the issue. It's um, I guess is it fair to blame him for his fans? But I think we can go off on a whole other ethical discussion, <laughs> going spanning well off wrestling that might go beyond the scope of this podcast. But again, it is a long off season. I'd be happy to come back for that one. Well, and I've got to be honest. I think Steve Austin's best work was done in ECW when he was just oh, grabbing yes. the mic and going absolutely crazy, and Heyman was just like, "Go nuts!" and he was. You know, uh, what was it? WC Nyquil. Nyquil, Monday Nyquil, yeah. And then he was ripping on Huckster and uh, so many of the guys. I mean, I think that was some of his best work. If you can find that on the network, go find some of those promos. Those were his best work. I tweeted out about a week and a half ago, just had a not great day. I was walking around and just saw a dude walking around in a Stone Cold t-shirt. And I thought and tweeted out, you know, I've never seen a guy in a Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt and not immediately been cheered up. And you know that guy's (laughs) got to be a good guy right off the bat. (laughs) So I also, uh, before we move off Stone Cold, I, his work is stunning, Steve, in WCW when he was the TV title holder and was in the Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. That was some great work, too. I mean, I, in in some ways, some of my favorite work of his was before he ever got to WWE. 
So can I go in with not my favorite Steve Austin match, but sort of I feel a bit of an underrated little run in his career, that his universally reviled heel run with the Alliance. I remember just actually kind of liking him as his and Angle's feud there and seeing both of them really play the opposite of the role they usually did because Angle was such a terrific heel and he was such a face. But it worked, worked well if you ignore all the other terrible parts that surrounded it. <laughs> Well, and, and I'll never forget his milk promo where he dashed everybody with Oh, that milk. was terrific. That was great, too. Yeah, I think one of the most impressive things about him was as a kid, when Owen Hart dropped him on his neck, the fact that he was able to stick around, and I don't think as a 13-year-old I ever realized, like, hey, this guy doesn't wrestle anymore, but he was there for like six months, still <laughs> at the top of the card. <laughs> and was like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's never had a match. I will say about Stone Cold, and I, this one I, I don't mean as a knock on him, like, the matches were terrific. He was a great worker, a great, like, ring psychologist, but for him, the matches, I think, were, were less important. Yeah. yeah. He was just such a personality, such a fo- tour de force of, um, of everything. I'd say the best part of any Stone Cold match is when the glass breaks and the whole crowd pops oh my and it, everybody goes insane. It like, that's, it doesn't get I've any better one- than that. I've only heard one pop I could even compare to that. Uh, when Daniel Bryan quit the Wyatts and climbed up on the top of the cage, the crowd was going insane. But you watched some of those some of those early ones. So when Raw came to Toronto the first time, they had it at the Sky Dome, and there were about 40,000 people there. I was, I think, nine. I remember when the glass broke. Like I thought my head was about to explode. It got so loud. <laughs> Never got as loud at the Dome when Matt Stairs had the glass break and he came out to that. <laughs> we appreciated him nonetheless. It's not quite the same, right? <laughs> no. Now it's a banish to the pen podcast. We've got Matt Stairs in there. <laughs> in case of emergency, take the stairs. <laughs> Ryan, you want to – let's hear you got. All right. This is R-H, really Mark. hard because I never thought that uh, – I didn't think it would go this way, although there's so many great wrestlers. But uh, my number one pick and my favorite probably – I'm going to go old school on this one – is Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. What a terrific pick. Very nice. Very and nice pick. I, I was always into the guys that could work. I always liked the guys that could wrestle. And his some of his matches, I still think he's the best intercontinental title holder of all time. Some of his feuds with uh, just so many guys were so great. But to me, what made Perfect Perfect was that promo he did that he cut where he was throwing the football to himself the touchdown <laughs> and, caught it. <laughs> and caught it and he did those shot behind his over the back and made it and he hit a home run of course he hits the ball and then it stops and then you see it go over the fence and I mean I probably watched that promo hammered in college um, probably every night for about four years of college just Perfect. we would get Good hammered get hype. And then it would be like, okay, time for the – how good am I? I'm perfect. And then it would just come on. So, oh, wow. I mean, there's so many other guys I could have gone with, but uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Mr. – not to mention the, the maybe my favorite perfect story besides the uh, montage was his fight on the uh, – trip from hell back from Europe <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord. where he was fi- trying to wrestle Brock Lesnar in the emergency row <laughs> I mean just that would have gone well for him just that image is unreal to me of those two barbarians trying to fight in an exit row is over who was the best wrestler in Minnesota is just I mean I can't even visualize that how funny that would be scary but funny so Ryan two questions for you 
Number one, what is your favorite Mr. Perfect match? And two, do you try and Mr. Perfect your gum to this day? Oh, first of all, <laughs> 100% with the gum. That used to be my gimmick, and I would fail on it so many times. But yes, I definitely did the gum trick way too I'm often. I'm probably about 1 in 15 in success, but... I mean, I would go up to the plate and definitely do that and miss a lot of the time. But people <laughs> would know exactly what I was doing on my team, because they'd be like, oh my god, he's doing the Kurt Henning. Oh, <laughs> Of course, I only got to bat about once every three games, probably because of that, but that's another story. Um, favorite perfect match? Um, I don't know. I'm not a great historian with the wrestling stuff. I remember I was at a house show where Henning faced Hogan, and they were going for Ooh. the world title at the old Cap Center over in Landover. And uh, it was just a, an amazing match, and, and Hogan just went over, and, and the pop was huge. I mean, this was Hogan, you know, at, at the peak of the peak, and perfect was a great heel and he was you know he carried the match and it was it was just a great house show match so that was probably just personally that's probably my favorite perfect match anybody else guys anybody else if, uh, they were all perfect people haven't seen it the the bret hart mr perfect intercontinental match yeah for sure SummerSlam 91 around that area i think that's definitely worth checking out and even some of his work with the nwo at the end of his career was pretty good. I mean, he was just so good, it didn't matter. I mean, he could have wrestled a broomstick and it would have been a great match, but... So. Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap up the first round of the Banish to the Pen draft. We've gone Shawn Michaels, Brett the Hitman Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Mr. Perfect. So Wayne Johnson is pissed. Oh, and how about Mr. Flair is probably not happy either. <laughs> So we are going to go to the second round, pick one of round two, and go back to Eric F., who is now on the clock. The F usually stands for Ferguson, but this time it's going to stand for Flair. I am taking Ric Flair with my second round pick. I'm very excited, uh, it goes without saying, to take the nature boy. You've got to be Um, fair to Flair. Oh, go ahead now. Got to be fair to Flair. Got to be fair to Flair. (laughs) I like to think that I have a Flair for the gold. Um, Ric Flair to me is the quintessential pro wrestler in that even when you thought even or later knew that it was fake, you still wanted to see him get his uh, rear end kicked. And uh, he was so good at being hateable, but yet you still kind of wanted to be him. And I've later in life, I've just embraced that I actually do want to be the nature boy. So that's my uh, second round pick, Ric Flair. Well, and he lived the gimmick unlike any other wrestler, maybe. I mean, he was a jet flying, uh, limousine riding, what was it, suit wearing? Uh, Kiss stealing? Yeah. Kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun. I mean, he was just, and, and he lived that gimmick. I mean, I, I just, mm, those robes, and I mean, the matches with Steamboat start there. I mean, those were amazing. Sure. And the, the first one that I remember was. Um, him and Sting at Clash of the Champions. And obviously I was like seven or eight, so I was all about Sting. But it meant so much because of who Ric Flair was. So, And we haven't even mentioned the Four Horsemen yet. Probably the stable of all stables of all time. Absolutely. And especially with Paul Roma. I think that was their peak. <laughs> you mean one half of power and glory with That's uh, right. Hercules? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, then, and then obviously later, I mean... Granted, he went on too long, as a lot of these guys tend to do. But his retirement match with uh, Shawn Michaels is oh. kind of that's like ultimate storytelling to me. And he did that what at fifty-seven or fifty-eight years old? I mean, that match—it yeah. was unbelievable. I had a discussion with a friend of mine about a week ago. Um, at what age does Ric Flair have to be before one of us could beat him up? 
And <laughs> we we kind of think it's still going to be another like two or three decades. And I think like and at that point I'll be in my fifties and he'll be able to destroy him. But like me at theoretically my physical peak, I I could still be a fringe prospect at my age. But there is no ch- I don't stand a chance against Ric Flair. No matter what, he'll blade for you though. So <laughs> that is true. And he could be eighty years old and he's still going to do that flip off the turn. Oh, yeah. oh my god! So good. <laughs> There so good. He no... had so many the, the front flop. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> oh, and then he would get stunned, and then oh yes, that's what you're saying. And he would just go face first right yeah. into the mat. Yeah. Oh gosh. Wow. Also, and... I just I want you all to know that my shoes cost more than your house. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even know. Wow. And, and now present day with his work that he's doing with Charlotte and getting Charlotte over. I mean, that's I, I think he's doing some great work. I hope he. Becomes the mouthpiece for Cesaro has been rumored. That might be. Oh, a that great would be fit. amazing. Oh, I've I've read that a couple places. That might be a great, um, what do you call it, uh, pairing, so to speak. Yeah. So the the wrestling world needs Ric Flair on on Monday nights. There, there's no question in some capacity. So another theme song that just when it hits, it goes. I think a whole other great separate draft would be just drafting the theme songs, and we could have I, just as long a discussion, maybe longer. Frankly, I yeah, I second that. I, I'm in. We may have to do that soon. So, yeah. This is an aside, but in that vein, the fact that they can't have the ECW themes on the shows on the network right now kind of sucks some of the fun out of it. I, I it does. Agree. They're all associated with it, and uh, you know, when that music hit for the Sandman, you knew what was coming. I mean, it was going to be ten minutes before he actually got to the ring, and he was going to drink six <laughs> beers, but you knew what it was going to be. Man, so. ECW was so cool. I remember just my brother calling me into his room and saying, watch this, and just Tajiri walked by and got gored like, into the wall of the dressing room. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> and then uh, watched a lot more ECW until its unfortunate demise. But uh, probably my favorite, fun times were had. My favorite wrestling, whatever it would be called, is I was at the last ECW show at the ECW arena. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I was in attendance there. Total fluke. You know, we didn't think it was going to be the last one because the company was still selling out and doing great. So Next was thing, Rhino the champion then? I think it was Carino, if I remember uh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, Mike like, Awesome had already jumped ship to WCW. Definitely, he had jumped, yeah. and this was uh, it was just unbelievable. And, and the main event, I believe, was Carino, and he just bladed er- everywhere, and his <laughs> bright platinum blonde hair was completely red with blood. And it's a wonder they didn't make it. And people are, you know, they're doing chops outside the ring and blood's going on people. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm insane. You know, I'm a 20-year-old kid in the ECW arena, but I'm like, I still don't need other people's blood splattering on me. I was like, you know. But it was, uh, anyways, I digress. I'll give an, another aside to blading, though. Um, I was watching, I think, WrestleMania 20. It was like the first thing I watched when I got the network. And in the main event, uh, both Trips and Sean are just covered in blood and i watched wrestling religiously at that point never bad an eyelash but i guess i've gone soft because like i watch it like like what it like this is crazy like can't believe that this is happening but i guess uh we all uh get a bit pruder in our older sensibilities yeah that's that's extremely extremely true all right uh let, let's get back on the clock pick number right. two in round number two we have eric hartman not cartman on the on the uh on the clock I should have that on my business card. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with one guy, but when I pick him, you know it could be one of any, like, 15 to 20. But the pa- man I'm going to choose to get to represent everything here is Dean Malenko. 
Wow. Okay. So just any of the vanilla midgets, you're going with Dean Malenko? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and any of the mask guys, even. Just because I'm not that cool, I didn't get into Lucha through ECW or anything. I got it from just waiting for Hogan to show up on NWO on Nitro. But then I'd watch Malenko fight Jericho, Malenko fight Ray and Psychosis and all of them. Eddie and I Guerrero. thought he was the coolest because he was this mm. dweeb who just was killing everybody, putting them in the Texas Cloverleaf, which I thought was a super cool submission. He was the Iceman. Unbelievable. Dean Malenko. His matches with Eddie Guerrero in that feud. I just watched a couple of them the other day because of Eddie's passing. Um, Mm -hmm. Wow. Like you say, Malenko was undersized, but he was the man of a thousand holds. I mean, his feud with Jericho was unbelievable when Jericho cut that a thousand and four holds. That is so good. Armbar. (laughs) And then they came back from commercial. He was still saying armbar. Armbar. Oh, wow. But Malenko. uh, And then his uh, the invasion with the Radicals. I guess it was Perry Saturn, Guerrero, and Benoit. I could have somebody I'm missing, but that was a great angle. It was a lot of fun, and uh, he didn't quite have the accomplishment of some of the others, besides Saturn, who he ran circles around. Um, But uh, he retired pretty early, but just sort of all of those, it exposed me to a lot more technical wrestling. Otherwise, it was just... Nothing against Brett and Sean. They were incredible and still are. I'm not saying he's better than them. Just sort of a whole new style that I saw. And he he and Ray were sort of the, the faces of it to me. And just, I guess I saw I saw Ray get get too old that it kind of, kind of clouded some of the earlier memories of it for me. So, yeah, I would recommend uh, yeah, anybody. going with Dean. I would recommend anybody go try to find his ECW work as well. That's Some of those old videos and matches are incredible. He actually just got inducted, I believe, into the ECW Arena Hall of Fame over the weekend at that Heart, House of Hardcore show with Tommy Dreamer. So Nice. Very Is NXT ever going to yeah. work uh, ECW Arena, you think? It's probably too small. It's a shame. It's probably too small at this point. I mean, they can probably go to, you know, something bigger. That's fair. They did Phil Barclays. I mean, 15,000 seats, if they go to Philly, they could probably sell a pretty good amount of seats at, at uh, whatever it's called, Comcast or whatever their building is called. Yeah. Or maybe they go to a college instead, you know, one of the many schools they have up there. Mm-hmm. So I digress again. <laughs> so <laughs> Pardon right. the, uh, the Bret Hart, Ding Malenko stable does not seem to be overflowing with charisma. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but as you can tell, none of you have ever met me, but I'm a lot more charisma than I am any sort of athletic ability. I can be the mouthpiece for this. And then, believe me, everyone will be lining up with my staple of heels to see me get mine. <laughs> I love that. I love everything the, about it. I the love Jim it. Cornette approach. I love it. Seriously. <laughs> I got a squash racket and it'll have to do. <laughs> and I think squash <laughs> might be the most heel sport I could have named there. So I'll stick with it. I tend to agree. Yeah, good call. So, all right, pick uh, pick number seven overall. Pick uh, three in the second round goes to Eric R. You're on the clock, bud. Oh, if you had told me I could leave with Austin and The Rock, I would not have believed you, but I'll do that. Uh, another guy who it, it probably wasn't the matches that mattered as much as the in-between stuff. and the, I mean, I even liked his, you know, starting out Rocky Maivia, the Die, Rocky Die stuff, to The Nation, to – just kind of the whole journey he was on was fun. Um, maybe the most ridiculous finisher uh, in WWE history with people's <laughs> elbow. 
even as like a 12 year old, you can like, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Like it didn't look bad at all. It made um, me so angry. <laughs> I will, I will never forget the rock cutting a promo when he was talking about the nation and he goes, and the nation was led by some guy named Farouk for who <laughs> just, <laughs> just died. It was so great. Because Farouk was completely, you know, I mean, it was Ron Simmons then, and nobody, yeah. it was so priceless. Oh, but yeah, I mean, he he was just another guy that you couldn't walk down the halls of school without just his lines and his promos, and everybody seemed to be in on him. So, um, yeah, just a lot of fun to watch. All right, come on, everybody. It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like pie? <laughs> Take a uh, left so and know your role, Boulevard and Jabroni Drive. <laughs> So did he get the jabroni from the Iron Sheik, or did the Iron Sheik get it from the Rock? That's what I've always wondered. Oh, I think jabroni was an old, old term. I'm not is that gonna... that's from back in the day? I mean, I heard that associated with the Sandman way before even that, and that was, I mean, I think the Sandman stole that from old wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a Sheik thing. From okay. what I've seen of the Sheik on Twitter, you just give him credit for everything. <laughs> don't try and steal anything from him. Just, yep, that was you. No problem. <laughs> well, he will take credit for anything and everything. I love the Sheik. I will say I can destroy kayfabe to you guys in an extent greater than maybe anything else if you would like me to. Sure. All right. Um, the Both Iron Sheik, Virgil, and a few other Twitters are run completely by these two brothers in Toronto that run like a DJ company. Oh, I'm so sad. Why did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Never take it back. wait a minute somebody is actually getting uh, virgil is paying somebody to run his twitter account where is he getting that money from i did when i was about 11 i went to a comic convention in uh in detroit and paid 20 bucks for one he had the db the debase ted debase sign (laughs) misspelled and it was terrific i saw that virgil just put out a gofundme account to try to become a million dollar man himself oh so bad (laughs) Probably, probably those guys there. They're charismatic, and they opened a submarine sandwich restaurant in Toronto. Also, bought a popular one, but uh, yeah, I don't like those guys that much. So, <laughs> try and take down their racket. Well, uh, I, I got to go back to uh, the Rock and Sock connection. Right, some we'll of talk their about the <laughs> I got to go back to uh, their empty oh. arena match during the Super Bowl. That was unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know what the halftime show that year was, but I did not watch it. And all of a sudden, uh, The Rock was hitting him with bags of popcorn. <laughs> just... he, was like, he was complaining that the salsa was mild. I remember that. <laughs> uh, but, so since we have someone from uh, Toronto, or Toronto, yeah. I know the second T is silent. Um, oh, let's talk good. about WrestleMania 18 with The Rock and Hogan and the, the double turn out of nowhere. So let's talk about that indeed. Um, I was there. It was completely insane. And until about a month ago when I was at Game 5 of the ALDS, I'd never heard a building louder than the booing of The Rock. When he, Even when he walked in, he was the ostensible face. His ambulance got hit with a monster truck, and the crowd <laughs> lost its freaking mind about how much they hated him and loved Hogan, myself included. And my friend I went with I was like, I could swear the only person in the crowd cheering for The Rock. It was crazy. We didn't boo all the way through Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but it was close. Wow. Mm. I remember once going to a, a, a taping of SmackDown at the Baltimore Arena, and it was The Rock versus Shane O'Mac in a cage. And nice. me and my buddy were the only ones cheering for Shane O'Mac in the upper levels of this place, as Shane O'Mac was the biggest heel on the planet. 
I legitimately thought we were not going to get out of there alive. <laughs> Shane O'Mac is not going to get talked about enough in this podcast, but he was amazing. But let's keep it on the rock. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the rock may be one of the most uncomfortable moments. I don't know if you've seen the documentary Beyond the Mat. Uh, oh, yeah. oh that yeah, that's terrible. Where rock hits him, rock hits mankind with like a thousand cheer shots and you get to watch it from like his wife and kids perspective and it's like ah, i may not be able to watch this anymore i'll just put this match away and um yeah it was just crazy how how much he took in that match that was one of my favorite rock and mankind at that royal rumble i was gonna pay you 50 <laughs> <laughs> i was lucky that i was still like an early teenager then and didn't have a conscience so i can watch it with impunity <laughs> nizu hizu bizu is nizu wuzu <laughs> The movie's over. Go home. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Rock, I, I took Dean Malenko over The Rock. My, my desire for narrative uh, outstips. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build the clubhouse of character, guys. Meanwhile, somebody here is building the 27 Yankees. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of 25th men in that locker room. But you're going to be a very good mouthpiece. This yeah. might be the Diamondbacks of our draft today. Hell yeah. Very gritty. All right, Ryan, you're up. I guess so. And wow, I am between about 17 people that I could pick. Uh, what narrative do I want to go with? Um, Shockmaster, Shockmaster. <laughs> that's just a Saturday night. Anyways. Um, uh, Family podcast, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. With the second or with my second round pick, eighth overall in the Banish to the Pen draft, I am going to take Mr. Monday Night Rob Van Damn. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I am the person that had my I am screen name as whole F and show with two L's when I was in college. <laughs> uh, the feud with uh, he and Jerry Lynn was probably some of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that was right when I was getting into ECW. I would drive home from college on Sundays to get my laundry done and to watch ECW TV on the DVD or DVR. So, um, yeah, everything that R RVD did. I mean, holding the TV title for almost two years at a point when, you know, those titles were getting swapped all the time in wrestling. And like I say, his work with uh, Rhino and with Just Incredible and definitely Jerry Lynn was just unbelievable. His invasion angle on uh, Monday Night Raw, I don't know if it was WWF or E at that point. Mm -hmm. That angle was unbelievable, the invasion angle. His match with uh, John Cena at uh, the... One Night Stands? yes. Oh my god! And I really thought that if Cena won, they would riot and they might actually kill him. Um, probably my biggest regret in wrestling is that I wasn't at that ECW mm -hmm. one night uh, one night stand or that last kind of pay per view. So, just probably and my hopefully favorite. You didn't try and make up for it by going to December to dismember the next ECW <laughs> show. Yeah, I did pass on that one. Thank goodness. Thank good. Yeah, and well. didn't buy it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think RVD kind of was everything that. Uh, I think ECW stood for and was about, and um, yeah, I, I can't really, I just, I think he was the best in the world at that time, and uh, probably at the time that I was hottest for wrestling ever, so I'm going with RVD in round number two. That is a tremendous pick. I would say that um, I went to, I was in college at that point in a uh, Midwestern private university, because that's how I roll, um, and it was, <clears throat> I couldn't even really get ECW where I was, but like primitive internet, I would just see pictures of RVD or like just read things on message boards. And he was my favorite just based on that. And I remember one picture of him doing like the Rob Van Dam split where it's like his legs are split across two 
folding chairs and then he's holding like a 50 pound dumbbell between him. Mm. I don't even know what, but it was just like mind blowing. And he was my guy. And, you know, I still do the thumbs, everything like that. He was definitely on my, uh, well, my top 15. And his spray painted tights. Those were, Oh my God. Yeah. He was Ryback before Ryback. The Van Daminator, the Van Terminator, all the moves that he would do. I mean, his stuff with Sabu was unbelievable. I mean, gosh, I could just, I could go on and on, but, uh, I'm going to cut it here. RVD in round number two. Van Damme also, he he knew what he was doing with that. Uh, worked worked with Jean-Claude, worked with him. And I also got to give somebody a credit for somebody that could work completely and utterly under the influence of marijuana. It was unbelievable <laughs> oh, yeah. to me. I almost said that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he could be visibly just that messed up and still have so many great matches was was unbelievable to me. Contrast him to a peer of his. I mean, you could compare of Jeff Hardy, who very tragically cannot work like that, as was seen in that awful uh, TNA main event where he walked in, lay down, and then walked out. But that wasn't just pot, though. I mean, no, we're, no, but, we're getting uh, far afield, but yeah. Yeah. Although really not that far afield, considering the topic, but yeah. Yeah. And the wrestler that we're in. <laughs> and the particular wrestler who used to say, RVD420, I just smoked your ass. Yeah, so. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, I probably said that when I was like 11 and didn't know what it meant. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, let, let's recap the uh, the first eight picks in this draft right now. Um, first, we started out with Shawn Michaels going first overall to Eric Ferguson, Eric F. Then we went to Brett the Hitman Hart with pick number two to Eric H. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin at number three. Very, very solid pick there. Uh, I took Mr. Perfect to end round one. Then in round two, we went Ric Flair, the Nature Boy, Dean Malenko, The Rock, and RVD to wrap up round number two. So, okay, guys, we each have one more pick, I think is the way it's going to go in this draft. And as we've started so far, uh, Eric F., you are on the clock. I think I'm going to close out my stable here with uh, with some muscle. Um, there's a lot of other guys who I considered this pick, but I'm going to have to go with Brock Lesnar. Uh, he, he is... There's really no one comparable to him. And uh, just considering um, just his whole span, his whole career, but just even like when he first came in, how you just knew he was different from everybody else. And then the run that he's been on lately where he's, you know, the beast incarnate and such and such. And also he's getting points from Paul Heyman Association. But um, Brock Lesnar is going to be my third and final pick. I like it. Although I will say, how do you uh, feel about his pretty obvious stance against not liking pro wrestling and and kind of his i don't want to say disdain for it but some of that is is that a concern honestly i think what i like most about him at some in in some respects is that he is not what you would consider like he's kind of he's not really a pro wrestler he's just a guy who gets in a ring and he will agree that with his opponent that i'm just going to beat the hell out of you and you can beat the hell out of me and it's going to be business and then I'm going to walk out with the belt or, or whatever, but it looks different than any, it's not like to, I hate to use this word, but it's not choreographed. It looks like a fight. And I think that's what sets him apart from so many other people that are, that are going these days, uh, these days, that makes me sound like I'm 55, but, um, I just, it's, it's a special and it's partly by design that he doesn't wrestle that much, but a Brock Lesnar match is important in a, in a way that's different from anybody else. All right. Favorite Brock match. Uh, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> this isn't my favorite, but the first one that comes to mind, obviously, is the insane um, uh, shooting star press against Angle <laughs> at WrestleMania 19, because it's like, why would you even think that was necessary? <laughs> uh, 
He but needed I, okay, his WrestleMania so, so that's moment. My, that's my, it's not my favorite, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. But um, I do remember the, uh, I don't, was it Extreme Rules? The first one that he had with Cena. Mm-hmm. Uh, where extreme he, Rules in 2012. Yeah, extreme rules. yeah. I was in the building for that. Oh, wow. There nice. you go. Wow. Either that or the SummerSlam where he just, no, okay, I'm going to go with the SummerSlam Cena match. Where he, <laughs> where he committed murder. Where he committed yeah. murder, yes. I mean, who among us hasn't done that? Um, I, I feel like that was um, a game changer. Um, that was an incredible and also a Cena at the Rumble this past year. Him versus Cena versus Rollins was just completely insane. Like, I don't know if I've seen a better match since maybe Shield Wyatt's the extreme or whatever it was, the Elimination Chamber the year before. And once again, I go back to his match with Eddie Guerrero back in, what, 2004 maybe? That was an incredible match where Eddie went over him and... I, I watched that again the other day because of Eddie's passing, and just mm-hmm. what a terrific match that was, too. I mean, two guys really at, at the peak of their careers both going at it. Yeah, he was – he's something, and uh, like Eric F. said, just the fact is now when he comes in, like, it gets everyone's attention. Like, I drag a bunch of my friends to the bars to watch a few pay-per-views who aren't maybe the biggest wrestling fans, but whenever Brock shows up, they, they're watching. He is, he is someone special. He is must see TV. I think I think that's a great call. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. Um, I guess we'll move off. Although, what did everybody think before we move off of Brock? What did everybody think of his feud with the Undertaker that just kind of wrapped up? Bad middle. The end was pretty fun. Just the match at SummerSlam was kind of a mess. Well, it was a fun match, but the ending was a bit overbooked. But I don't really know what they're what they're going to do next with him, but. It was it was a good time. I can't begrudge it too much. Yeah, it was. There is not much in wrestling that surprises me anymore, and I think him going over at WrestleMania was like just the biggest. Like for twenty minutes, I didn't know. Yeah. Oh my god! I don't know how he didn't talk about that. (laughs) So he did give me that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great call, and I'm amazed that we're 45 minutes into a podcast or whatever it is, and we're just mentioning the streak ending. But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest I surprise. I believe in it, even history. when his music was playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either that or Hogan's heel turn are probably the two biggest moments and oh my gosh, yeah. surprising moments in wrestling history in some ways. Yeah, and uh, all right, I'm up. You are up, Eric H. With uh, the second pick in the third round, your final pick, bud. So speaking of Hogan's heel turn, I'm going to pick his best contemporary, which I would not have thought when I was a child, but I know better now. I'm going with the madness, Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah, dig it. He's just, he's someone I liked a lot growing up. I uh, hated him when he was a heel because, again, I was a infant, and that's what I'm supposed to do is cheer the, cheer the faces and boo the heels. But just watching so much of his stuff... All the, the promo work, so methodical. The way he landed an elbow was just so much better. Like, watching CM Punk's elbow drop kind of hurt my soul. Just, I don't know what it was. He's such a good worker, but he, he can't do it. And I, I get it's trying to be trying to be respectful, but geez. I wore Macho Man socks to my sister's wedding um, because my brother-in-law's cool and got them for me. He was wearing Hulk Hogan ones. My brother was wearing Ultimate Warrior ones. He's a good dude. He likes baseball and old wrestling. We get along great. Um, but yeah, just... Macho is just so great, eminently quotable, terrific matches, transcended wrestling with Slim Jim and Spider-Man, and yeah, just, uh, I guess I shouldn't have picked somebody that I'm going to say there's not much to say about, because it's so obvious, well, but I here mean, we are. Most, 
I mean, also, Mac- minor league career, minor I mean, league career with the uh, Cardinals and Reds organizations. I believe. There you go. So. There's that perfect, uh, perfect fake card someone made. I wish I would have brought it up to have it ready. <laughs> yeah. Of um, like if he just gets like his patented, like gets his strong elbow in there, he'll uh, he'll do yeah, it. it was- it was something. It was something about how he he his, he improved his swing by dropping his elbow or something like that. Yeah, it was great. I remember that seeing that too. Yeah. Mm. Well, how about his match with Steamboat? Is probably the best match ever at WrestleMania. Oh, for sure. Okay, so there's two. Like I'd never really heard anyone say anything other than that until I read uh, Ric Flair's autobiography, which is fine piece of literature, where he said that he didn't really like that match because it had been entirely scripted out, like move for move beforehand. Do you like does it, like knowing that? Does that change your perception of that match, or you could you could care how it how it came out? It's all it's fine to me, honestly. Like the match was the match. I don't care if they uh, I don't care if they were reading off a prompter. They did it. Right. Yeah, I don't. I I guess I understand where Flair's coming from in that kind of critique that it is probably more of a talent to do it on the fly. But I don't know from a per- fan's perspective. I, I don't care if a band has a set list set or if they do it on the fly. As long as the music's great, I don't care. Yeah. See, I do care about that, but I decided I'm more of a music snob than a wrestling snob. Hmm. <laughs> I'm more of a wrestling fan, but I'm more of a snob about music. I'll say that Savage is not going to fit in well with your uh, clubhouse. No. <laughs> He's gonna need he's gonna need like the Barry Bonds chair, and he's just gonna need his own little section of the clubhouse. Yeah, you're gonna need oh, yeah. somebody to protect Macho from the rest of that gang. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'll try and play Peacemaker, and uh, I'll let you guys in a bit behind the curtain. Hopefully, I'm not stealing anyone's pick. But I was gonna go with um, with a different guy from Lucha Underground. This guy Prince Puma, who is incredible. If you don't get to, I think his name's Ricochet on. Mm-hmm. on the indies but then i realized with macho on the table how can i not just he's so good he was him and uh him and brett were the two guys i was considering for the first pick just to sort of they could lead men with that i think but in fact to get both thrilled and malenko can be a little weirdo and well, put well, a thousand would, holds on people in between I most of I which would, are armbar yeah i think yeah. i would pay money to watch malenko and macho man stay in character and have like a conversation <laughs> <laughs> Just to be a fly on the wall for those two in catering would be phenomenal. Do you ever see there's a YouTube, a couple of YouTube series of wrestling promos from the 80s with just the inhales and exhales? <laughs> I don't think you have, so I'll send that to you guys after. We could put it in some sort of extended show notes because I think I was legitimately in tears. The macho stuff's the best, but there's also some really great uh, oh, Piper Lord, stuff yeah. with that, Flair, Hogan, but... I do an impression, but it's like almost uncomfortable. Like, like I don't feel well with the idea of trying to even do it. So I'll send that to you guys after this. I'm looking forward to that, frankly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll go to uh, Eric R's pick. Last pick in the and uh, last pick for you. All right. I'm gonna try something. This will be worth a ridicule, but uh, you can cut this if you need to, Ryan. Can you tell who that is? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna... John Cena <laughs> sucks. John Cena <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Before Couple we get in there, can, do you know what to... they say immediately yeah. before? No. You think you're, oh, it, you They think talked you're about it on Cheap Heat. Like the, it's, yeah, oh, Rapper I Dude. Rapper Dude. Oh, the, Rapper Dude, right. Rapper yeah. Dude, yeah. Is that really what they're saying? Yes. Or, according to Peter Rosenberg, who uh, is an authority... Or fancies himself one. Oh. Swig of soda from the working man. <laughs> Here's so. my thought. A stable of 
Rock, Cena, Austin, we're not going to lose much, if ever. I'm going yeah, with the front runners. Yeah, you're sure not going to put anybody over ever. That's for that's sure. Uh, <laughs> you're going to sell so much merch. I get as much crap <laughs> as anybody. There are few times he's wrestles a pay per view match that I would say I walk away disappointed. Um, that's okay. That's true. <laughs> well, recently, like the U.S. Open Challenge or whatever it's called, like that's been amazing. That's been like the best his, work of his career. Means, uh, I think. Yeah, big big stuff like. Uh, the the re- one of the reasons I got back into wrestling after being away for a few years the 2012 Money in the Bank with him and Punk oh yeah that's right. I'll watch that like once a month still and I probably a lot more because of Punk but just that his stuff with Lesnar his uh I I mean his stuff with The Rock went a little long I enjoyed some of that his uh, stuff with the Miz classic no everyone <laughs> loves it uh so yeah I'm we can we can shoot this down a little bit but there are a lot of times John Cena's made me happy. Well, and I, yes. I got to give Cena credit for being a face as long as he has. He's never turned heel. He does more make-a-wishes than anybody else out there. I mean, just on a personal level. Almost combined. And he's dating Nikki Bella. So, yeah, he gets do- points for that. Yeah, he's definitely doing pretty well for himself. And he's uh, Daniel Bryan's semi-brother-in-law. Well, that's a negative, but that's another story. Oh, <laughs> oh. now, now. <laughs> Danielson's um, awful. Awful. So it's it's inevitable that sometime in the next year or so we're going to have a Roman Reigns versus John Cena feud, probably with both of them as faces. Who do you guys cheer for in that? Because I think I go with Cena. I think I will mark out hard for Cena if he gives an attitude adjustment to him and pins him one, two, three. I think I would too. 100%, yeah, think- 100% Cena over here. <laughs> Roman Reigns. Reigns is the best thing to ever happen to John Cena. <laughs> that and his wet hair. Yeah, going to the ring. Jesus. I went to, I watched the last Real Rumble at a bar, and when it was clear what was happening, just the last 10 minutes of the Rumble, they were like, it was a pack to the brim, just people booing, and the proprietor of the bar being like, like he got up to say something, we're all booing, he was like, I I didn't do it, what are you guys yelling at me for? (laughs) Yeah, please still tip your waitresses, I didn't have anything to do with this. Uh, Cena's a terrific pick, he's... He's great. He's had some incredible matches. One image that always sticks with me is his match. I think it's a last man standing match with Umaga where he like chokes him with the ring rope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty good. Uh, I had purposely forgotten about Umaga. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> with his thumb to the neck finisher. <laughs> to be fair, that probably would really hurt. It would hurt more than people's elbow. I would think it would break the guy's thumb, though, wouldn't you? Get it taped. Oh, okay. Tape can tell of everything. Back in, uh, was it Hacksaw in WCW in like 95 or 96 finisher? Like, was it a cheating heel, a taped up punch in the face? I have a great Hacksaw Jim Duggan story. Is it appropriate for the podcast? It, it is, actually. It's hysterical. My Let's buddy, hear it. My buddy, and I, my buddy and I really did not like this girl at college for whatever reason. She actually was not a bad person. We became friends later on. But we, we got the entire campus, and I went to a relatively small school to believe that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was her father. <laughs> <laughs> so you would just hear her walking across the quad, and people would be yelling, Ho! Ho! Everybody's thinking they're calling her like a hoe, like she's a yes. bad lady or something. <laughs> she finally figured it out, and she was like, "Where did you even come up with that?" And we were like, "I don't know." I mean, there's yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting one to go with. <laughs> there was no rhyme or reason for it at all, which was why it was great, that's and it was that. just obscure enough that people believed it. <laughs> yeah, and I think he he was in he was in the public zeitgeist enough that that would that would pick up. 
And, and you know, with a lot of that stuff, if you just believe it enough, people will believe it with you. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't thought of that in a while. That made me laugh really hard. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm right. sorry you all think less of me now for that pick. Oh, I think it's a great pick. I can't believe he lasted this long, frankly. I will say, so I was. I mentioned I was at the Extreme Rules, him and Lesnar, the first time. And mm-hmm. it was in Chicago. I mean, everyone was just booing the crap out of Cena. And then like five minutes in, just like everybody, you know it's fake. But then a couple times you kind of forget. And he just, mm-hmm. the pounding he took, it was this weird like yeah. the whole crowd kind of got behind him and – yeah, you, I, you feel bad for the guy because he is still getting his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> a couple times now, so. Yeah. Quick question for you guys. Uh, you mentioned that like you forget it's fake. Do you have a moment where, like, as an adult or whatever, once you knew that you kind of got scared for a second, and I'm not talking like mankind falling off the cell and almost dying. I'll give you an example. Um, when Triple H and Undertaker fought in the Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania in that honestly not great match, if I can be so honest, but uh, there's one point where Triple H gets frustrated and is about to actually slam Undertaker while he's on the ground with the sledgehammer, but not in his usual handover, but like how you or I would use a sledgehammer. And it, he, Shawn Michaels pulls away at the last again. But when he's about to, I'm like, quick, no, no, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, he might not, he's actually about to kill him. Well, and I think he, in their SummerSlam, like Street Fight, I think he does that. Like, he hits him with the sledgehammer in the back. Oh, swinging God. it like you would <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't a slow jammer. <laughs> Still real to me, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it was... I mean, I know you said not the Mankind one, but that's probably the closest I've ever... Like, I can still remember who was in the room, where we were, what we were eating and drinking. That's just a very vivid memory to me when that happened. I think I woke I up this morning and my... Other told me that Undertaker had killed mankind. <laughs> well, even knowing how it like that he made it through, I still don't like to watch it. And maybe that's because I am older now. But I don't. I just all of that match I can't watch anymore. I tried to watch it when they did the the Foley DVD a while ago, and they had him watching it on commentary with Joey Styles, oh, and that was really it was a hard watch. Yeah, I I don't like going back and watching some of the ECW stuff where they would hit everybody with chairs and the and the barbed wire baseball bats and stuff. That like I say, maybe I'm just older now, but it, I'm like these are human beings. <laughs> like they're actually yeah, nice new, guys new, outside of the ring. Like New Jack, New Jack is still available. <laughs> Jeez. Oh wow, he's wrestling in like pro wrestling syndicate now. Good lord. Grantland had an article about him not that long ago. I, well, yeah. I mean, back when yeah. Grantland was Grantland something. existed not that long ago. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I remember that. Mm. <laughs> Poor Ben. <laughs> but anyways, Ryan, wanna wanna put a Some, put somebody bring us back up? I don't. This is hard. There's still so many guys out there that I could take. I mean, I never thought Triple H would be here. I never thought that Hulk would be here. I never thought that Rowdy Roddy Piper would still be here. So this is. Did you think uh, Hogan, Alex Wright would still Hogan, be there? Well. <laughs> That's Wonderkind. He had some good feuds, let me tell you, and he could dance. I did meet Disco Inferno when I was 11 in an indie show. I have a picture with him. It's pretty fun. <laughs> he, beat, he beat some enhancement talent. I was thrilled. I sat in the front row. It was the closest ever been to everything at wrestling at the local community center. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Every now and then I tell people that I am actually Disco Inferno. 
Most people believe me. There's a wrestler okay, on the like, indies we, now named the, uh, Cam Zagami that looks exactly like the Disco Inferno. It's pretty pretty funny if you watch like in the Northeast stuff. Is Hogan still available purely because of stuff that's happened in the most recent months? I will say I that didn't even occur to me to do it, but uh, it's tough. It's, it's tough to do it. He was he was definitely my favorite when I was like a child, but. I mean, I know it's difficult to believe after my RVD pick, but I didn't necessarily want to go into the extracurriculars and have, you know, certain people's heads blow off, so. <laughs> well, none of us did take Benoit, so there is that. You know, I don't think we're supposed to say that word. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did call him, he was not, should not be named earlier, but uh, you get a few minutes in, you get punch drunk. Also, probably an insensitive thing to say. Anyways, Ryan, you were saying. <laughs> oh, I just, I don't know who to take here. This is, this is a tough one, um. All right, I think I'm going to stick to my uh, my ROH love, and, and I'm going to go with uh, AJ Styles, the Ooh. phenomenal one, AJ Styles. Um, I loved his work with TNA, his matches with Samoa Joe, and, and the Ultimate X stuff was unbelievable. Uh, and now his work both in New Japan with the Bullet Club and what he's been doing in ROH, and I can't wait for his match with Lethal next month. That should just absolutely so that should blow the roof off. I'm going to be there for it. I can't wait. I just I think AJ Styles is is so good, and I got to meet him at a show this summer. Great guy, um, just I I can't say enough good things about him. Just a great worker, the phenomenal one. Uh, his Pele kick is a great move. The Styles Clash is one of the best finishers out there. I don't know. So he has so much natural charisma. He is really terrific. There was a couple of years in the middle there I watched a decent amount of TNA, and I've seen a bunch of his ROH stuff, especially the stuff with Joe, who would be another terrific pick. I'm really excited to see him in Balor. But um, I guess I, I want to ask, why do you think it never happened with him in WWE, or like if, it, if there is a specific thing you could point to? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there in 2016. I'd That's start fair. there. Uh, I think his contract runs out with New Japan and uh, ROH at the end of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think some of it's that just NXT didn't exist five years ago or six, seven years ago when he might have been going from TNA and, and was in that spot where he could have jumped. I, I don't. Yeah. I think some of it's his size. I mean, I've stood next to him, and he's he's not six feet tall, and he's not 185 pounds, so he's he's not very physically big, you know, in the WWE style, but... I guess he's that doesn't even it doesn't really show as much. Just offhand, I don't think of him as being kind of undersized. He's. I was surprised at how I thought he was going to be bigger and thicker, and he definitely. It was surprising, but then when you see him fly around the ring, you're like, oh well, yeah, he does kind yeah, of need makes to be. Sense. <laughs> he, he does need to kind of be smaller, but. Uh, it just and then his work in TNA when he became kind of this dark character and he wasn't the the fan favorite. I mean, that was a great, you know, very charismatic, very great gimmick. I mean. I don't know. I'm rambling about AJ Styles now, so somebody help me. But uh, just go check out his work, definitely from TNA, if you can find it. I don't even know where you could watch TNA stuff now, but... Um, Destination America? Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm in Canada. Give me a break. Do they have Destination Canada? I don't even have cable here. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, but... I, I AJ Styles, to me, and maybe this is completely unfair, but I've because he hasn't been to WWE yet and because he's of a certain age to where it should have probably happened by now, I kind of discount him a little bit, which I know is totally unfair as just like a TNA guy, which is, I don't, I mean, maybe I just didn't pay enough attention to the product other than when like the Hogan Bischoff era. So I probably haven't given him as fair a shake as, as he deserves. 
his Ultimate X stuff, even before Hogan came in with like Petey Williams and some of those matches were just that was the best of TNA, I think. And and sure. most of those and him and Samoa Joe, as I mentioned, was just some great Chris Saban, some great matches with Saban. I mean, just uh Petey Williams' finisher looks like it's going to kill someone every time he does it. It's terrifying. Was it the Canadian Destroyer, I think, was the yeah. name? That was, that's right. Mm, so, all right, guys. Uh, well, that's the draft in the books. But I do. Uh, I think we've left so many names off that uh, let's go around and just uh, who would be your next couple of names on your board, so to speak. Uh, we'll just go in order. Just uh, Eric Lightning Round, just name until you're – we'll go, keep just going until – a couple of guys that you had on your list or who would be your next picks? Okay, well, on Eric F's big board, I had CM Punk and Daniel Bryan as my next two up. And so maybe that, that speaks to a certain style and, and I gotta tell you, indie, indie smartness that I have. I am probably the world's biggest anti-CM Punk and Daniel Bryan fans. Wow. Now, what wow. is that about? Uh, I think CM Punk is the most overrated wrestler in the history of wrestling. Wow. He also seems like a jerk, so I'll give you that. But uh, I was more curious, like, everyone loves Daniel Bryan. Yeah, Daniel Bryan is so lovable. I- I'm just, I'm not a big fan of his work. Uh, Do you and- hate nature? <laughs> uh, well, kind of, actually, when you get into it now. And I walk outside and it's 40 degrees when I'm walking my dog. So, yes, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I just I'm not a fan of his. I, I didn't. I don't believe he's going to kick somebody's ass. And I know that's, that's really you know what that's like fair. AJ Styles. Uh, <laughs> AJ Styles could dunk on him like all day long and twice on Sunday. I mean, they tried to have a match <laughs> with. I was watching a throwback match this week between Daniel Bryan and uh, Roderick Strong from way back in ROH. And Roderick Strong is not a big guy, and he makes Daniel Bryan look like a Lilliputian. I mean, it's. I just never bought into the fact that Daniel Bryan was going to kick my ass. And and I could never get over that hump. Just like with TNA, I could never get over the six-sided ring for the most part. I just Is I, Ryan Sullivan a pseudonym for Vince McMahon? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't even like Raw. No. <laughs> um, Maybe it's for like Gabe Sapolsky or whatever it is, <laughs> whatever his name is, but... But uh, next few names on my board, I was going to go with Punk, even though sort of everything since he's left, I empathize with him for leaving, but he just kind of seems like an unpleasant meanie. And uh, I was going to go with Canadian Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, because he's wonderful. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I was ready for a rant about how much I love Lucha Underground and Prince Puma. He is unbelievable. I watched a ton of Lucha, but he, he is as good as they are. And he and Johnny Mundo, I mean, wow. Oh, my God. That's, and Mil Muertes, when you get a chance, he is a, he is a legitimately terrifying heel. I am scared of him. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. The one thing I'll, one more thing I'll say about Lucha is it has the seasons, which I never knew I wanted in wrestling until I saw it, like, just knowing there's a season finale and you get a big thing like that. And I don't have to worry about what's going to happen on Raw the next night after. It can sort of let some storylines breathe, which was really, really interesting. And they're not selling you a network or a pay-per-view. It's they want you to watch yeah. next week, which I kind of – I dig that that element of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I did watch it, the 39 episodes in the span of a week or so. So it was a bit more in my mind than perhaps a weekly watching of it would have been. <laughs> All right. Eric H., who was on your list, bud? R. Oh, R. My fault. My fault. <laughs> Even uh, I'm getting confused now. <laughs> Tier 1 yeah, is the uh, Undertaker was there. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah, the taker. Uh, mm. Wow, how did taker not get picked? Wow. Taker, uh, I had uh, Triple H. I had Kurt Angle. 
Uh, I had a really weird love for Ahmed Johnson growing up, and I know he's probably not going to make anybody's list, but he was on mine. So the heart wants who it wants. The heart wants who it wants. Pearl River Plunge. Pearl River Plunge. That's right. Oh wow. Uh, well, I guess the last couple of guys on my board, Hulk Hogan was on there. I, I guess I was a fan of his growing up, obviously, like most people were, and uh, loved his work with the NWO. I just, mm-hmm. I loved the fact that he gave so much credibility to that whole organization. It's uh, the only reason I watched WCW. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time is probably X Pac. So he would have been, <laughs> he would have been on the list. And you think he could? Uh, I don't understand you, man. <laughs> I, I I used to literally go to you know play pool in high school at these places and steal the six ball. I mean that's how big a fan I was of X Pac and six. I still have a couple of extra six balls around here in my house. So. It's I, hard to not love the Bronco Buster. And I just loved his gimmick of, he was like, all right, well, I want a title match, so I'm just going to walk out and steal your belt. And, all right, well, you're going to have to face me at the pay-per-view now. I mean, I just, I thought it was so brilliant in wrestling. Like, well, why wouldn't you just go steal it? Then you get your match. Like, okay. Yeah, fuzzy kayfabe is often a lot of fun in that way. That's true. Uh, the NWO is a, in general, uh, maybe some of the best stuff. I, I might have drafted them as a group. Um, One of the best Halloween costumes I did recently was me and two buddies as the original NWO. Super easy to do, but wow, we've I got to get got a picture. Five hundred toothpicks uh, was Scott Hall and <laughs> flicked them all at people. By the time I got to the bar, luckily a couple less inebriated friends uh, saved me on a couple occasions. Who likes who likes toothpicks more, uh, Scott Hall or Dusty Baker? <laughs> Scott Hall goes through more, but I think Dusty Dusty seems to actually appreciate them. Scott Hall yeah. really liked toothpicks; he'd hang on to them. Yeah, it's just a gimmick. That's that's a good point. <laughs> I also had Brian Knobs, nasty boy, on my list because <laughs> wow, I bought and drank a beer with him at the Bash, uh, the Great American Bash, when I was probably eighteen years old. Definitely cool. with a fake ID, bought at two beers for me and Brian Knobs, and we chugged them on the arena floor after he had a hardcore match. That is awesome. <laughs> so completely underage was great. Yeah, and he's as crazy as you would imagine. And uh, my final pick was Donovan Dijak from Ring of Honor. Um, I've actually developed a friendship with him this year. I interviewed him for my podcast a while ago. If anybody wants to go find that for one thing. but uh, Do you talk about wrestling or baseball? Wrestling. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, But he was a two-sport athlete, so we did get into some oh. sports and stuff. But uh, great guy. Uh, is going to be a future world champion in ROH, and, and I think is going to be probably a champion in NXT and WWE here in the next five years. All right, and you, you were on it before us. I will agree with that. So, All right, guys, I think we covered a lot of wrestling in a relatively short amount of time. I think this was pretty good. Yeah, besides that I spoke much too much, I think this went pretty well. No, we all did great. So uh, I think we're going to finish this or conclude this podcast the same way we uh, began it. And uh, I'm going to introduce you guys and just have you guys say goodbye to the audience. So let's start with alphabetical. Eric F., say goodbye to the Internet. Bye, Internet. It's been fun. That was a very heel-like saying goodbye. I liked it. (laughs) Eric H. I've got got better things to do. I'm getting out of here. Good night, Internet. And remember, that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. (laughs) (laughs) Eric R. Good night, Internet. And I am Ryan Sullivan at NatchGM.com on Twitter, reminding you... Be nice to your fellow listeners. Yeah, because I'm on a roll and I ain't stopping. Yeah. Elizabeth, go right and I'm going left. Could I ask a question, Macho Man? More questions. I'm sorry about that. Macho Man Randy Savage.